Cleave to no faith when faith brings blood. Life is God's most precious gift. No principle, however glorious, may justify the taking of it. And you know what they mean by it in that one. Yeah, you know what they mean. audience welcome to our podcast this is fire the cannon i'm one of your hosts rachel i'm the other host jackie i am the producer theo i welcome you all well thank you theo thanks theo this is a podcast where we read the works in the western canon and decide if they belong or not and also we make jokes about them this week we're gonna have a little bit of a hard time doing that because we are covering act four of the crucible by arthur miller Rachel, do you want to just kind of say, like, in two sentences what happens in this entire act? Like, just get it out of the way, and then we'll kind of, like, go through it a little bit, but... Let's just get it out of the way, and then we can just talk about whatever for the rest of the time. Look, you don't have to talk about it. I'll just do a summary, but it's going to take longer than two sentences. This is going to be a Rachel-centric episode because Jackie read the act four today at work, and Jackie almost cried because Jackie found it very sad. I actually cried, but I can still talk about it. I couldn't cry. I wasn't allowed. No crying allowed at my hospital. Oh. (laughs) You're allowed to read plays at work, but you're not allowed to cry. (laughs) There's a sign. So let's talk about it. You can plug your ears if you want, Jackie. I'll just explain (laughs) it to Theo. Just insert a track of me weeping in the background. (laughs) Yeah. Just that the whole time. Why don't we give a little reminder of what happened last time? So in Act 3, we had all of the girls uh, accusing Mary Warren of witchcraft, and then they became hysterical and, you know, imagining birds and things like that. So Mary Warren, instead of telling everyone that Elizabeth Proctor is not a witch, she freaks out and realizes that she's going to be convincingly pilloried as a witch herself. So she turns on them and starts saying that John Proctor and Elizabeth Proctor are in with the devil. So then Elizabeth is taken away, John is taken away, and they are put in jail. We find out that Elizabeth was freshly pregnant. And they decide that they're going to keep her alive until she gives birth. So she has at least nine months or so to be alive. I think they said they'd let her nurse the baby for a bit, so maybe a year. So then at the beginning of Act 4, so it's been several months since that, and it's fall, and it's bitterly cold, and Danforth is the deputy governor, so he's the governor who's in charge at the time, and then um, Hawthorne is the judge, right? Mm -hmm. So those two come in. And then we also have in this, um, obviously, John and Elizabeth Proctor, Tichuba, who is Reverend Paris's slave. Reverend Paris is the one who is the uncle of Abigail, who's starting all the nonsense. He also popped up in the woods and caught them partying. And you have Sarah Good, who's the old beggar lady who... Mary Warren accused. She was the mumbler? No, because the mumbler confessed. That was that was Goody Osborne. Too many goods. Yeah, there's a lot. She doesn't actually matter that much. <laughs> it's three months into the future ish. It's fall now. Danforth and Hawthorne are visiting a jail because they want to see Reverend Paris. Reverend Paris is looking very upset. Oh, wah, wah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're upset? Okay. So Danforth and Hawthorne visit a jail. They're going to see Reverend Paris, and they're asking him, well, why is Reverend Hale here? Because if you'll recall, he was the demonologist who came from out of town. Mm. They're saying he should be back in his own town. We don't really need him anymore. (laughs) We got this covered. (laughs) Yeah, we already know everyone's a witch. We don't need a witch finder. (laughs) Paris says, oh, he's not here to stir up rebellion. He's just here to try to get all of the remaining prisoners to confess so that they don't get hanged. 
and Tichuba and Sarah Good, it seems like they are going to be hanged, even though at this point they've both confessed. And they seem like they have mm. had like total mental breaks. They are hallucinating. They both think that the devil is coming to take them away. Right. Tichuba says he's going to take her back to Barbados. And Sarah Good says, like, can you ask him to take me too? Yeah. And they're asking him to. And yeah, they're, they're really, they want the devil to come take them away, which I imagine they're freezing in that jail with nothing. And I can tell you that historically they absolutely were. It was, there was no yeah. straw or anything blocking them from the outside. No blankets, I'm sure. It was yeah. super, super cold. I'm sure yeah. they didn't get fed very much. So this is bad. It's weird to me. They, what's the point of confessing when it seems like they're still going to get hanged anyway? Yeah, I'm confused about that. But there is one humorous part, which is Tichuba says like, because they're like, why would you want to see the devil? And she says, you don't understand. He's only mean in Massachusetts because the weather is so bad here. Down in Barbados, he's he's a super nice guy because the weather is so nice. The devil? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? She's just saying the reason you guys are so scared of the devil is because whenever he has to come up here, he's really upset because it's so cold. Oh. She says he frees his soul in Massachusetts, but in Barbados, he'd be just as sweet and... And then she hears a cow and says, oh, that's him. The devil? Yeah. Speaking to the cow? I mean, at this point, they've gone insane. Oh, okay. So I shouldn't be confused. Yeah, don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to make sense. Do you think the same thing is true for, like, any sort of annoyance? Like, the devil doesn't like the cold, so he gets really mean up in Massachusetts. But could it also be, like— Jesus hates the heat, so he's really mean in Barbados. <laughs> yeah, or whenever the devil has to go to L.A., like, all the traffic, he's just like, yeah. oh, God, I feel like ruining lots of people's lives right now. I mean, that makes sense to me, don't you think? It probably makes sense to people in L.A. too. Well, don't you think, like, the devil is into things that make humans upset? So the devil probably loves traffic. Maybe he's happy to be annoyed because it means he gets to be more mean. <laughs> yeah. But he's also happy to not be annoyed because he's happy. <laughs> Oh, but I do like this idea of the devil just, like, anytime you're annoyed by something, that's the devil. That's the devil. If it's traffic, if, like... The devil's making you annoyed? So it's not your annoyance that the devil's work. It's, you're like, my annoyance is very valid. This traffic is the devil. <laughs> Which part is the devil? <laughs> it's not me that has a problem. Relax! That's not the devil. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. Traffic. This is our traffic stories. Here we go. All right, so I'll just insert those here. <laughs> So, guys, I just experienced something really weird, and I can't make any sense of it. I was just taking a walk. I live in a neighborhood, you know, not a place where you would be driving your car very fast. And there was a car that was driving very fast. But then there was someone else who was pulling out of their driveway at the same time. Uh-oh, I sent some foreshadowing. <laughs> and the car pulled up right up to them and, like, slammed on their brakes. And the guy yelled, Get out of the road! Get out of the road! <laughs> to the guy who was pulling out. And then the guy who was pulling out was like, Son, you got no sense in your brain! Oh. He, he said that. And then the first guy was like, at least I'm not an old fucker. What? And, and then the first guy was like, get a job. This is like a throw out any insult card. Like, they're not making any sense. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And then the guy who was pulling out of the his driveway, like, eventually was able to do it. It was kind of hard for him because the other guy was, like, in the way, right? The guy who was mad. Whose fault was it? The, I mean, the, the fast car for speeding, but... Clearly, it was his fault. Like, the guy was pulling out of his driveway. What was he supposed to do? Like Get younger? If the car was going a reasonable speed, it wouldn't have caused any problem whatsoever. Yeah. But then eventually, like, the guy got out of his parking place and... I can't, he said one more thing, but I can't remember what it was. And then he 
drove away. But then that guy who is speeding down the road apparently lives in the same apartment complex, and he turned <laughs> into the same parking lot that that guy was pulling out of. Well, because that was his dad. Son! <laughs> <laughs> he said son. But then, the craziest thing, I just kept walking, and I was like, I want to get a look at this guy. What type of person just, like, drives so fast and then yells at— some jobless bum. <laughs> This is the thing. The guy got out of the car. And he looked just like me. (laughs) But one year younger. And he had a Bluetooth in his ear. And he was just talking to his friend about a football game. And they were like laughing. And I was like, what on earth? So Yeah, football (laughs) games are not funny. (laughs) Well, that's one thing. But also, you were talking on your Bluetooth to someone. Then you start screaming at someone in another car. I feel like if I were on the phone, I would be like really put off by that behavior, right? Did I ever tell you about the funniest road rage incident I've ever seen in Cincinnati? That you've ever seen or you've ever seen in Cincinnati? Both. Okay. So I was just walking. There were these two cars driving, one behind the other in the same lane. And eventually the light turned yellow. And so the car in front slowed and stopped like you're supposed to. And the car behind him started slamming on their horn, which was totally pointless. Theo, you're really distracting me. I'm sorry. It was fun, but I I can't. (laughs) It was fun. It will not continue to be fun. I I could just feel my focus slipping away and the story getting worse. So anyways. So the guy behind him starts, like, jamming on his horn. Like, I don't know why, because the guy was at a red light. But that wasn't the funny road rage part. The funny part was the guy in the first car that had stopped reasonably rolled down his window and turned around (laughs) to the guy behind him and said, Relax! (laughs) Relax! (laughs) Like, just over and over again. And the one with the horn started just slowly backing away. (laughs) You mean he just, like, gave him a bit of a wider berth? Or he was like, I'm getting out of here. And just, like, backed up away from him all the way home. You thought. I had you in the first half. You thought the the first guy with the horn was going to be the funny one, but no. I don't know. I think it's much funnier to honk your horn. Yeah, that is funny. Do you want to hear my funny road rage story? (laughs) So we were driving along this like little tiny old two lane highway along the coast. And my friend was actually driving and she was certainly not tailgating someone. She was like at least the speed limit was pretty low like 45 or something. And let's say she was two, three car lengths behind, something like that. She was following. And then all of a sudden, so there are no cars anywhere in front, behind, to the side, whatever. The car slams on the brakes in the middle of the road, like stomps on them. And Ellie stops the car also. And I guess she's like, she probably was like, there must be some, like a baby sea turtle in the road or the person's having a stroke or something like something's going on. So she stops too. And this old angry white guy gets out of the car and he is angry. He's like yelling and he starts walking towards the car, like stomping really angrily, yelling about her tailgating him. And all of us in the car are like, she did not tailgate him. But then I started to get nervous because I was thinking, this guy is so unhinged. She knows what he could do. So then we just start saying to Ellie, like, just go, Ellie, go, go, drive around him, drive. (laughs) And then she hits him. (laughs) What we did was we just like totally ignored him. Nobody looked at him at all. We kept our windows up didn't make any eye contact (laughs) like nothing was happening (laughs) yeah Uh. we just kind of sat there i remember thinking like that is so crazy because i have never seen a reaction like that yeah to even 
actual tailgating, but certainly not to someone who was not tailgating. That's like in all three of these stories, I fully expected someone to get shot. Like, <laughs> no, this was like an a rich old guy, which I don't know what he was complaining about because he was on a vacation at the beach, certainly. I don't know. His wife probably did something super bitchy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> no. She probably hates him. I hope she divorced him after that. It was like, I don't want to be with this guy anymore. Just a couple weeks ago, I was crossing the street and it had like started like a freak snowstorm and it was so cold and it went from being like bright and sunny to freezing. And then so I and a couple other people just behind me were like crossing a street in the crosswalk like normal. Yeah. And this like woman in an SUV like came up and I guess was just upset that she had to wait for pedestrians to cross in the super like yeah. cold snowy weather. And I looked through her windshield and she was just going, <laughs> like, just free, like silent. And I had headphones in, so I couldn't hear, but she was like, Can you describe, like, she yeah, was. Describe it for this auditory media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got some like chair moving sounds, but we didn't do it. I don't know. Can you describe that? I looked at her face and I couldn't hear anything, but she was just like slamming her fists into the dashboard and just like clearly screaming, although I could not hear her, as though it was like the last straw and like the president is going to die because she did not get there in time. Like, the president. That's what it. It, she was acting like and i just turned around to the people behind me and we just were like <laughs> made a little like face at each other like we're pedestrians yeah can you see what's going on i know we just like ridiculous and a laughed and then i think that made her even angrier <laughs> okay moving on all right so we find out from reverend paris that abigail and mercy have disappeared and they robbed him and they stole it was like 31 pounds from his strong box, which, if you'll recall... Which, remember, Mary Warren only got paid nine pounds a year. A year. That's a lot. Yeah, so that's several years' salary for those girls. But I thought about this because they talk about Reverend Paris appears and he's, like, gaunt and pale and, like, totally changed. Yeah. Like, he's obviously been through hell over the last three months. He's, like, starting to think, oh, my God, like... Abigail may not have actually been a good person. I may have condemned all these people to death. How did they change that actor from act three to act four? He's gone from being a normal man to being like extremely gaunt and pale and frazzled looking. Makeup. I don't know. Like Shelley Duvall was terrified in The Shining and that wasn't just makeup. Like what if they did something to him backstage? I don't think they did. Like every night <laughs> and he <laughs> never got used to it. They, they bring in Stanley Kubrick every night and they're like, just for this. <laughs> Reverend Paris. <laughs> but before they start the show, they're like, we're not going to do it this night. It's going to be totally fine tonight. <laughs> it's Lucy with the football. Yeah. <laughs> or no, they maybe they just get a man to play Paris who has like short-term memory loss, you know, like 51st dates it. Maybe they set a football on the ground and they every night tell him he's going to be allowed to kick it. And then he physically changes to be paler because he misses <laughs> Yeah, because they don't let him and he's so sad. <laughs> no. I mean, look, you can see on YouTube, there are videos of beauty gurus turning their whole faces into Yoda. They turn themselves into baby Yoda, so they could certainly make a man look pale and gaunt. It's not hard. <laughs> Even I could probably do it. Really? I could make anyone look pale and gaunt-er than they are. Do you think it would be better if he turned into baby Yoda in the fourth act? Reverend Paris? Yeah. 
Baby Yoda. Man, guys, like Reverend Paris is about to come on stage. I just want to let you know he's really gone through some stuff over the last three months. And then it's just Baby Yoda. He shrank like five feet, turned green. Turned green and wrinkly. That's what happens when guilt consumes you. I think that would have been better, yeah. All right, that's canon. It's canon that it would be better. (laughs) Reverend Hale shows up. He also looks really bad. And he says, please, the prisoners won't confess. Can you just go ahead and pardon them? And Danforth says, we can't postpone, we can't pardon, because we've already executed, like, 12 people, something like that. And if we, how could we pardon these seven if we've already killed all these other ones? What are people going to say about that? He's got a point. (sighs) Got to just... Finish strong. Yeah, and this is when Hale says, you need to be careful because the people we hanged before, we hanged a woman who lived out of wedlock with her husband and a guy who was a drunk. Yeah. But now we're going to be hanging Rebecca Nurse and John Proctor, like pillars of the community. Yeah. If you do that, there will be rebellion. Like hanging that slut Bridget was fine, but <laughs> Rebecca Nurse, no way. Yeah, no way. Hang any mumbler you want, but John Proctor, <laughs> he's the main character. He orates so well under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks very clear. Yeah. <laughs> you find out that there's another town in Massachusetts where there's been a rebellion and they've decided to overthrow the court and say there's no such thing as witchcraft. We got to stop this. And they're worried that's going to happen here. Um, But he says, who's talking about rebellion? And Hale says, well, look, nobody's talking about it, but there are literally orphans wandering the streets and cows walking all over the place and there are crops rotting in the fields because you've been killing everybody. Yeah, that's apparently a big problem is Paris is just haunted by all the cows walking around because every time he sees an unpastured cow, he's like, oh, I cows killed everywhere. that person. Ah! He killed the farmer who owned the cow, you mean? Yeah, he doesn't think the cow is the person now. <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> Wait, who was the one who wanted to take all the land? Why didn't that person just take all the cows? Uh, that was Putnam. Putnam never comes back in. Uh, they couldn't. I mean, there's only so much work that one person can do. I'm sure they didn't want that much land. I don't think they could handle the land of 12 people. You know, he just wanted like a couple people's land. Yeah, they don't really have a workforce. They kind of just do their own thing. There's no one who's unemployed, you know? Like, everyone's already doing what they can do. (laughs) Well, they've definitely killed the unemployed people, so... Yeah, yeah, true. The unemployed, the mumblers, all the bottom rungs of society. And people who live with their significant others before they marry them. Like, she did get married eventually, but she still deserves to be killed. (laughs) Right, basically. Or her neighbors would think (laughs) that it's fine to kill her because of that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Maybe I would have been in more danger than I thought back in the day. (laughs) Cool. So, Reverend Hale has said, I would really like to talk to John Proctor, or at least if you convince his wife to talk to him, I think... Maybe she could get him to confess so that he'd be spared. And Elizabeth says to them, they bring her in. She's also been imprisoned, which I thought they were going to let her go home while she was pregnant. But no, no she's like in alive. shackles. Yeah. Dang. And she says, I'll talk to John, but I'm not going to make any promises about whether I'll ask him to confess or not. Yeah. And they say to her, if you can just get him to say that he was with the devil, that's less of a sin than... We can save him from hanging. Yeah. He (laughs) says, like, life is the ultimate gift from God and we can't know God's mind. So you have to... He says it's possible God would think it's a worse sin to die because of your own pride than to lie to save your life. 
Which, like, you guys kind of put him in that situation. That's not fair to be like, hey, John, you know what would really be bad for your soul is if you confessed. Well, Hale didn't put him in that situation. By the time John was accused, Hale was fully on their side. I know. He was, like, calling Abigail a slut and all this other stuff. <laughs> so Fighting the good fight. Yeah, yeah, that's the good True, fight. but also kind of victim-blaming. Uh, no, I don't think—that's not victim-blaming at all for someone who didn't put him in the situation to say— Here's your spiritual out. Like, here's a way you could reconcile this and keep your life. Yes, that part is good. But he's also saying, like, if you don't do this, then you will be committing a sin. And it's like, well, he didn't really choose to be in the situation in which he would have to sin either way. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't. Hale didn't say it was a sin. He said it it might be. Life is God's greatest gift. And if he chooses to throw his life away, then he's offending God. It's a catch-22. It's possible. That's what that's what Hale thinks. He says that, that he has come to think that that could be the case. He actually has a really good monologue. He says, I came into this village like a bridegroom to his beloved, bearing gifts of high religion, the very crowns of holy law I brought, and what I touched with my bright confidence, it died. And where I turned the eye of my great faith, blood flowed up. Then he says, cleave to no faith when faith brings blood. It is a mistaken law that leads you to sacrifice. I feel like that right there is the mic drop of the whole play. Cleave to no faith when faith brings blood. The reverend is saying, throw away your religion if your religion is doing this. Which, it's kind of funny, because he says, Life is God's most precious gift. No principle, however glorious, may justify the taking of it. And earlier in the the play, he was bragging about killing, like, 77 people. He's clearly having a crisis of faith. (laughs) He says, I don't think I'm right anymore. It's a big change. That's sad. It is sad. So... He and Elizabeth come into the room together. They're both looking terrible, and everyone else leaves the room to give them some privacy. And Elizabeth tells Proctor that almost 100 people have confessed to witchcraft, and he asks, like, how about this, this, this? And he says, well, what about Giles Corey? And she says, Giles is dead. What? But he did not. I know, Theo's Theo's really upset, right, Theo? You guys told me he was going to have a great quote. He does. It's coming. She says, Giles is dead. Proctor says, when were he hanged? She says, he were not hanged. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Theo's loving. He was cleaning his glasses, and when Rachel said Giles is dead, he stopped. <laughs>, laughs and laughs. Well, I don't know. You know, English was different back then. It's just kind of a funny thing. When were he hanged? <laughs> when were he hanged? Yep. So she says he were not hanged because when they asked him, What do you say to your indictment? He knew that if he said no, that he's not a witch that he would be convicted and his property would all be auctioned off. And if he said yes, he's confessing to being a witch, who knows what's going to happen. So he just said nothing at all, and because of that, his sons will be able to inherit his farm. Because, she says, he could not be condemned a wizard without he answered the indictment, (laughs) I or nay. Condemned a wizard is awesome. (laughs) I know, it's going to be the condemned wizard of the day. (laughs) If that were me, I would have been like, you know what, my sons will figure out another path. They can apprentice as a blacksmith or something. I'm going to go out condemned a wizard. (laughs) Yeah, because that's so cool. (laughs) So John says, okay, well then how did they die? And she says, they pressed him. And John says, what? She says, they they laid great stones upon his chest until they until he say I or nay. They say he give them but two words. <laughs> more weight, he says, and died. More weight. 
So the entire time they kept saying, just tell us, just say yes or no, yes or no, and we'll stop crushing you. And every time he just said more weight. And that's from real that life. That is real. He did. Really? Yeah. Arthur Miller didn't make that up. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's what he really said. What do you think? Badass? Not bad for an 80-year-old. <laughs> He's so buff and so cool. 83, isn't he? 82. Those don't sound like the actions of an 83-year-old. <laughs> Not as impressive if he's only 82. What do you think, Theo? What do you think of Giles Corey now? Um, Is that the quote that you've been waiting to tell me? Mm-hmm. More weight. That's it. Yeah. I like it. Do you think he's cool? I, I do think that's kind of cool, but I also... I wish he did something else. You, you guys are building it up like he was going to like be a huge deal. <laughs> that is a huge deal. That's pretty epic. What if everyone misinterpreted what he what he said? What if he was just like, wait! And wait, then- I'm about to say <laughs> irony. Wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> but Theo, wasn't that cool? There's not going to be that much stuff about him for him to do because he's not the main character. He's not even a secondary character, and it's a short play. That's about as cool as you can be as a tertiary character. That is pretty cool. You admire him, don't you? I wish we had seen that scene, though. You see it in the movie. <laughs> Movies. Well, imagine how horrible that would be. Yeah, you don't really actually want to see yeah. that scene. <laughs> it's horrifying. It's also, like, so hard to talk, like, to draw any breath when you're, like, two seconds away from being crushed to death. And the fact that he, instead of saying nothing, which would have been so much easier, he, like, took the time. He's, he has a quip. Yeah, he took the time to be sassy. What a cool dude. Yeah. He's like a spoiled child. More weight, please. <laughs> he's like Bruce Bogtrotter, where they give him the chocolate cake and they think he's going to give up, but he just asks for more and more. That's from Matilda, is it? Yeah. Yeah, but at the end, it doesn't work out so well for Bruce. No, it, it's fine. He's totally fine. She hits him on the head, but he's eaten so much chocolate cake that it doesn't affect him at all, remember? Yeah, the chocolate lessens the blow. It cushions him. Cushions him, yeah. yeah. As soon yeah. as you eat it, it goes onto the top of your head. <laughs> so John says to Elizabeth, I've been thinking about confessing. What do you think? And she says, I can't judge you. Basically, like, whatever you want to do is what I want you to do. I would like you to be alive, though. And so John says, well, what about Martha Corey? Elizabeth says, she's not confessing either. And he tells her, I can't mount the gibbet like a saint because it's a fraud. I'm not a saint. Rebecca Nurse is a great woman. Martha Corey is a great woman. But my honesty is broken. I'm not a good man. If I do that, I'll be a fraud. And he is obviously feeling a lot of guilt for what he did with Abigail and cheating on Elizabeth. And so he's causing all his friends to be killed because of that affair. (laughs) Apparently, yeah. Well, he couldn't have possibly known that, but he knew what he was doing with Abigail was wrong. And so he stations himself below all of the people who have been good their whole lives. He says, I can't condemn myself alongside them. If I die with them, people will think I'm as good as they are. But it's a lie. I'm not. She says, well, John, the fact that you haven't confessed says that there's something good in you. And he says, no, it's not goodness. It's spite. You know, like they're dogs and they're not worth me lying to them. But I want you to forgive me. And she says, look, it's not about it's not about me. You have to forgive yourself. She says, I can't. I just can't forgive you. But Whatever it is that you decide to do, I'm going to think that it's a good man who is doing it. Now, does she say, I can't forgive you because she means it's not 
her authority to do so. I don't think she means it like, I'm still mad at you. She says, it doesn't matter if I forgive right. you because you're the one who's not forgiving yourself. Like, the uh. the pain is in your own soul. Yeah, she's not saying, like, I'm still furious at you. She's No, she's not furious. She does say, since she's been in jail, she's been thinking that some of the fault lies with her and that she says, it is a cold wife to prompt lechery. And he says, enough, enough. Which, come on, Arthur Miller. He clearly put that in there to make himself feel better about his own affairs, you know? Well, it is. It's just super sad because then she's blaming herself. She had just given birth. Who cares if she's cold, quote unquote? What? She was in bed with birth illness. Yeah. She should not be blaming herself. That is Arthur Miller writing it in to give himself an excuse for his affairs with Marilyn Monroe and whoever else. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I, I also feel like this must have not just been, like, a, the one-time thing after she gave birth. Like, I feel like she's maybe referencing, like, just maybe an ongoing pattern. I'm not saying it's right, but it's just super sad. She's like, it were a cold house I kept, and then it's not her fault. She says that she thought herself so plain that no one could possibly love her and that right. every time he kissed her, she was suspicious that he didn't really love her and that I never, like, I... I never told you how I felt because whatever, which, come on, I get it. Like, that's a nice sentiment. But for her to try to blame herself, I really think that's Arthur Miller trying to give himself an excuse. Nope, that's straight out of the history books. <laughs> it could be. I'm just I'm I'm just thinking within the context of the play, pretending that this is real and not Arthur Miller. I just feel like that's she really discovered something about her own psyche there. And I feel like that's powerful. She did. But I still don't think she should have said every time there's lechery, it's because there's a cold wife somewhere. Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> Which is what she does say. She was just saying it about herself. She tells him that she never knew such goodness in the world, and he tells her that Hawthorne comes in, and John tells Hawthorne he wants his life. And Hawthorne's like, what? You're going to confess? And he doesn't say he's going to confess. He just repeats that he wants his life. So everyone's so happy, and Hawthorne runs out and is yelling, John Proctor is going to confess. And, of course, John is like, wait a second. Do you need to yell about that? <laughs> And this is, we should say, very emotional. Like, there's been a lot of sobbing and, like, grasping of... Yeah, we're making light. Yeah, everyone's crying and kissing passionately and all this other stuff. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So he asks Elizabeth, like, am I doing something evil? She again tells him she can't judge him. And he says, who will judge me? I wish Elizabeth at this point would have just been like, no. Like, I don't know, even however she feels. She, she doesn't want to pressure him. I guess she just trusts his judgment so much that she knows... What he decides is going to be the right thing for him and that she just can't sway it either way. I know. I know. That is just a sign of how good she is. Because if this was me, I would have been like, no, it's not evil. Don't no, do it's it. It's so good. It's really good. It's good what just you're lie. doing. Just lie. Who cares? Yeah, I would pressure the hell out of him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Then later you tell him. That was very evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, I have three kids like right. i have to be around yeah. for them like how would they feel if their dad has yeah. got a lot of poppets too a lot of poppets to take care of well that's the thing i think she's she would probably not be able to say that because if he confesses to being a witch or a wizard or whatever that would also be hard for the kids but anyway he says to elizabeth well would you do it are you going to lie to them and then she's unable to answer and he says i know that you wouldn't do it no matter what which means that it's evil, which means I'm glad it's evil because then I can do it because I'm a bad dude. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. He went from saying I can't possibly stand up there and get hanged alongside the good people because yeah. people will think I'm a saint. Then he says, oh, but if it's evil, then I'm happy to do it. But that's the same thing. He's saying I can't being hanged is a good thing. Lying is a bad thing. I can't get hanged because I'm not good. 
and I can't tell a lie because I'm bad. That's the same. A lot of mental gymnastics are going on. I know, I know. They had nothing else to do but theology. If I just understand that I'm a bad person, then when I do bad stuff, it's like, it makes sense. It's like, justified. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if you do good things, then it's like you're trying to fool other people, and fooling people isn't good, so just be evil. Hey, enough of that crucible talk. We need to do a few more car stories. Let's hear them. Who's got one? Well, I had a pedestrian experience in New York one time. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Go ahead. Let's just do car talk. <laughs> Welcome to car talk. Yeah, this is Click and Clack and Thea, the producer. So I have to say that when I was in New York, sometimes I would get more angry at traffic things than I do normally in other situations. I can only imagine how terrifying that would have been. Is this when we finally get a macho yeah. Theo story? Is this when you, like, slam on someone's hood and say, I'm walking here? Uh, no, it wasn't nearly that macho. But I was I was walking. I, I, I am a pedestrian goody puppet. Goody puppet. Goody puppet. Uh, excuse me. Do you, do you mind if I keep walking? I'm tired of all this slander. This is what happened. I was, like, near my apartment. I was walking to the subway. I had to cross the street. The light turned so that I could walk, right? I had the the man. So I started crossing the sidewalk, but then this other guy turning left thought that he had the right-of-way over, like, me, a pedestrian, crossing the sidewalk. And so he, like, goes really fast, almost hits me on the sidewalk. <gasps> or not on the sidewalk, on the crosswalk. So then he, he, like, leans his head out of the window and says, what, you could not look to the left or to the right? <laughs> Why do you have to pronounce the that way? The, it was, like, really strangely enunciated. And, and so I, like, got kind of mad about that. And I just, like, gave him a look. Like, I was, like, like an angry look and then pointed at the sign that said I was able to walk at that point. And he, like, looked over at the sign and then looked back at me and said, doesn't matter and then drove around me <laughs> yeah. Wait, i can't decide what part i want to talk about first theo prefaced the story by saying like just so you know i did get a little angry and he said nothing he, he said just no pointed words. at his side he literally just pointed but it was, it was You're like the specter of death it was one of my angrier points though i made like a totally incredulous face i can't believe you're doing this <laughs> hilarious doesn't matter doesn't matter <laughs> Okay, I'm wrong. So what? I want to be right. Yeah, I want to keep driving right now. I guess it makes sense because he's saying it does not matter what the sign says. If I'm about to hit you, you still shouldn't walk in front of my car. But that's not a good argument for him to make as the person driving the car. That would be a a reason for one of Theo's friends to be like, you need to be more careful, buddy. And then if Theo pointed out the sign indignantly, they could say, doesn't matter. Yeah, like it doesn't matter what the sign says. It's not going to save you. But not for the guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm imagining, okay, not this would not be funny, but if he did hit you, let's just say you're not badly injured. He hits you. You're like laying down like, ow. And he gets out and he's like, you could not look to the left or to the right. <laughs> like, he still says that same exact thing. Well, he probably was wanting to just fit in with New Yorkers. He thought you just yell at people for things. He wanted Theo to say, I'm walking here. He's trying to cause that interaction. I was expecting a real New York moment. Instead, he just wordlessly, angrily pointed, he said. Doesn't matter. Hit my car and say, I'm walking here. Yeah, that would matter. Ooh, actually, someone did that to me. I was pulling out of a parking garage in, in downtown Raleigh, and um, I, I was looking to the right, and I looked to the left. Then I looked to the right again, and I started going right, and I hit a man. <laughs> I actually t- hit what? him with, like, him with my car. <laughs> I, 
I had just taken my foot off the brake, so it like barely touched him, and he slammed his fist down on my hood. And yeah, yeah. I, well, I looked, and then there was nothing there. It doesn't wow. matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, he just walked in front of my car. It sounds like you hit him. I did, but <laughs> sorry, but we're not on your side. You're not the protagonist in this story. I looked. He wasn't there. I started going, and then he walked in front of my car. Is it so hard for you to look to the left or to the right? I looked to both of the ways, and he was not there. So he just sprang up out of nowhere? Yeah. Like there was He's a total Mr. Darcy. <laughs> just popping up. No, Jackie, that means he, that's not possible. <laughs> okay, well, I barely hit him at all. You know what? If anything, I did him a favor cuz now he has a cool story. Yeah, maybe he's telling that story on his podcast with his two friends right now. <laughs> we should have him on the pod. Yeah. The first time I went to New York in high school, uh, I was with my my band. It was on a band field trip. We were all crossing the street and of course it was like 60 kids crossing the street yeah but this car they had tried to make the light but they couldn't and then they ended up stopping in the middle of the crosswalk and so we were all having to go around it and then this other new yorker just came up behind us and went up to the car and started hitting the window and said you're a moron you're a moron (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny just to think like you make one mistake Everybody thinks you're a moron forever. <laughs> and he announced it to the whole world, which wasn't fair. It sounds like something that would have happened to Holden Caulfield. <laughs> and then it would, like, bother him for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, that would be a story he would tell in... Catcher in the Rye, which we covered, audience. Go back and listen. They're good at. Yeah. So Danforth is so happy about it. He's like, great, all right. And then time to write down his confession. And of course, John Proctor is like, wait a second, write it down. Why? (laughs) They say, oh, it's to help teach everyone. We're going to put it on the door of the church. And Proctor's like, wait, what? You're going to put on the door of the church? And he said, I've already told you. I told you. There's no need for that. Just give them my word. And they say, well, when you get out, aren't you going to go back on it? He's like, no, I'm not going to say anything. But why do you need to write it down? So finally, they say, oh, whatever. He agrees to have it written down. So they say, did you see the devil? I did. Uh, Did he bid you to do his work upon the earth? He did. Did you bind yourself into his service? He did. But at this point, those stupid idiots bring Rebecca Nurse in. Rebecca is so happy to see him. She's like, oh, I hope you're doing well. And he turns away and she realizes that he's confessing and she's horrified. They tell her, look, see, so now you don't have to keep pretending you didn't consort with the devil anymore. He's giving himself up. You should do it, too. And she says, like, oh, no, you know, may God send his mercy on you, John. And they ask her to lie again. She says, I won't. That would be damning myself. I can't do that. And they ask John Proctor, these stupid idiots, Did you see Rebecca Nurse with the devil? And of course he says, no, of course I didn't. And they go through the list. Yeah, and he's like, I've already confessed about myself. Like, you don't need me to... They go through the list of all the leftover people and each person. Did you see this person? He says no. And the tension is rising and rising and rising because they are realizing they're not going to let him go unless he also condemns all these other people. He says he never saw anyone with the devil. And they say, well, dozens of people said they saw these people with the devil. He's like, okay, then why do you need me to say that too? It's apparently been proved. And then they go, are you lying to me about being a witch, John? Because if you're lying, I'm not going to accept this confession. And he's like, what? Yeah, if you're lying about being a witch, I guess you're going to get hanged for being a witch. (laughs) Like, either they think he's lying or they don't. If he's lying, he's not a witch. 
I'm so confused. What is a hangable offense? Uh, Everything. Witchcraft, not confessing and repenting to witchcraft. So if you confess and repent and you bring down other people, you don't necessarily get executed. Right. Okay. So that's why there were like a hundred people who confessed, but only twelve or something had been hanged so far. One of the whole points of the play is that this isn't about what is allowed or what isn't allowed. It's about their personal vendetta against individual people. Yeah. So the laws that applied to Rebecca Nurse are not the same as what they're asking to John to do. And the ones that they hanged before did not have to do all of the stuff they're asking John to do. They just hate John. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they hate a lot of people, but... So he tells them, I, I'm telling you about my own sins. I can't say about anyone else. They think to die like saints, and I will not spoil their names. <laughs> Reverend Hale immediately is like, great, great. Okay, he's confessing. So just let him sign it. Let's get it over with. He doesn't have to die. Because Reverend Hale really likes John Proctor, it seems. He wants to be best buds with him. <laughs> just like Jackie and her assistant, who she forces to do all her work. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant I want to be best buds with John Proctor. That's why I made Jordan do all my <laughs> Like, hold on, yeah. I'm, I'm getting really into this. I have yeah. to spend some time with my friend. Hey, do you mind picking up the slack? I have to spend some time with my new boyfriend, John. Yeah. I'm going to go hang out with JP for a little bit. So Reverend Paris is like, great, okay, He his name carries a lot of weight. If he signs this, that's going to mean a lot to the villagers. So they give John the pen, and he doesn't want to sign it. He says, you all saw me. Do I really have to sign it? Whatever. So finally, he does sign it, and they say, okay, hand us the paper. And he's like, no, you saw me sign it. Why do you need the paper? And then he eats it. He doesn't eat it. He tears it up again. He says, God already knows what my sins are. God doesn't need this to be hammered to the door you know he already can see into my heart he says you're not going to use me i you know i'm john proctor i'm not sarah good i'm not tituba i have three children how may i teach them to walk like men in the world and i sold my friends and they say oh you're not selling out your friends you you said you didn't see them but john says you i already like don't try to trick me i know that if you put this on the church door it blackens all of their names for people to see this. He says, look, let your word be enough. I've confessed. Let's drop it here. They're like, no, no, no. You got to give us the paper. So then he, I mean, he has a little famous line where he says, uh, I'm not worth the dust on the feet of them that hang. How may I live without my name? I've given you my soul. Leave me my name. <laughs> they still ask for the paper and he tears it up. <laughs> when we did this in high school, I remember my friend Philip was, hi, Philip, if you're listening. My Philip was playing John Proctor in the in the little class edition where we were just like reading it out loud around the room. Yeah. For years afterwards, and probably to this day, we could like say this to <laughs> Philip, but he just went, because it is my name! <laughs> because I cannot have another in my life! Like, he just got really into it. It was like the only part of the play that was good. <laughs> was Philip reading that line? <laughs> yeah, he was John Proctor, so he was saying, because it is my name! <laughs> he tears up the paper, and Paris is hysterically upset. Yeah. Again with the tearing. He's like my cat. He just can't help but tear every paper up. Don't give him a paper. You know what he's going to do with it. (laughs) Earlier, Paris had said that when he opened the door to go outside, a knife fell down and almost hit him and that he knows the villagers are out to kill him.
kill him now, which is why he's so desperate to get Proctor to confess. Yeah, he's selfish. Hmm. So Paris breaks into sobs. Elizabeth breaks in because now they know he's yeah. going to die. Everyone's crying. Reverend Hale says, you will hang. You cannot. And John Proctor says, I can. There is your first marvel that I can. You have made your magic now. For now, I do think I see some shred of goodness in John Proctor. Not enough to weave a banner with, but white enough to keep it from such dogs. And then she tell he tells his wife not to cry because they like to see her tears. And he says, show a stony heart and sink them with it. And then he kisses her with great passion. <laughs> what a speech. What a kiss. <laughs> great passion. And then they say, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, stop him. Try again. And she says, he's found his goodness. I will not take it from him. That's the part where I was like, also, Rebecca Nurse is very proud of him. She says, don't fear anything, John. Another judgment awaits us. And she, they're walking out together and she stumbles, but John Proctor catches her because she says they didn't, she, they didn't give her any breakfast. So they get escorted out. Yeah. And Paris is hysterically trying to get Elizabeth to go and save him. And the entire time you're like seeing the sun rise because you know they're going to be hanged when the sun rises. And the drums are beating. Yeah. Reverend Hale says, Please plead with him. It is pride. It is vanity. What profit him to bleed? Shall the dust praise him? Shall the worms declare his truth? Go to him. Take his shame away. And that's, yeah, that's when Elizabeth says, he have his goodness now. God forbid I take it from him. Hmm. The final drum roll crashes. Reverend Hale is weeping and praying and the sun pours in on her face. And that's the end of the play curtain falls hilarious right (laughs) (laughs) there's a nice little epilogue they say reverend paris was voted out of office and left was never heard from again abigail was found to be living as a prostitute in boston (laughs) there's a legend that that was the case there's no actual proof about that they say that there was some compensation given to some of the families of people who were accused and executed almost everyone was absolved not everyone though like only the families of people who had asked to be absolved This is just historical stuff. It's not what's in the epilogue. I think today, as of 2021, I think all of the witches have been absolved. (laughs) But I think the only people who got money were the people whose family members had asked for them to be absolved. And if your family didn't ask, they didn't get any money, even though people still got executed for being witches. It was something weird. They say Elizabeth Proctor ended up remarrying in four years. She didn't end up getting executed. The witch fever had passed by the time her baby was born. It says, to all intents and purposes, the power of theocracy in Massachusetts was broken. So how do they do the epilogue? in the play does someone come out to the front of the stage and just tell everyone i don't think it's in the play because like i said the edition that i have is like it's specifically for reading i see i I was picturing like everybody applauds they all get up to leave and then someone runs out and they're like wait 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 (laughs) (laughs) gotta tell you something and then he goes god bless us everyone uh yeah so that was heavy how about we hear a story it is finally time for what you've all been waiting for (laughs) for us to say goodbye to nell and end the episode (laughs) no (laughs) rachel is a witch i don't know if you guys realize this come on (laughs) don't reveal the end of the story rachel has to tell us the time that someone legitimately thought she was a witch yes this was a few years ago when i was in law school i became friends with a Two women, Ellie and Suman, and I'm still good friends with them today. Hopefully they're listening to this episode. Is this the same Ellie that was driving the car? Yeah, this is her. This is a very (laughs) Ellie-centric episode. (laughs) Uh, So we became friends later on, like not the—I think it was our second year or something. And 
we started hanging out and doing wine nights together and so on because we had a male friend in common named Spain who was friends with them and friends with me. And he said, I think you guys should hang out. So we started hanging out and he kind of got cut out of the circle. Not on purpose. It just Whoa, happened. mean girls. He was busy. He was busy. Well, when three women get together, you know what happens. Some evil shit goes down. Yeah. Is that true? Well, you remember the episode with Becca? Oh, yeah. Some evil shit did go down. She was pro-cannibalism. <laughs> she was. I can't believe I left that in. Whoa. Yeah, I'm amazed you survived that episode, honestly. Uh, I found out from them towards the end of the third year that when we first started being friends, a girl who was jealous tried to convince them not to be friends with me because she said, are you really hanging out with her? Don't you know she's a witch? Okay, let's back up a whole lot. Why was she jealous? Because she wanted to be friends with them, and they had started hanging out with me more and her less. And they said, no, we can only have one friend. <laughs> no, but they didn't. They weren't really liking her very much. I think Aww. they realized she was kind Aww. of mean. She was mean. She doesn't sound that mean. She tried to accuse me of witchcraft to keep someone from being my well, friend. <laughs> maybe she had good reason. <laughs> That's pretty mean. I could have been hanged for that. And you still haven't confessed. This is now three years she's believing this. Yeah, so go back to why she thought this. Well, no, 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 no. She said it to them our second year. Okay. And then my friend told me about it in the third year. And she said that at the time they said to her, like, so? She's cool. <laughs> so they didn't say, what are you talking about, crazy? She's not a witch. No, they didn't. They just said, whatever, and then kept hanging out with me. When I heard that, I was truly disturbed because I said, I barely spoke to that girl at all. Question. What could have given her the impression I was a witch? Go ahead, Jackie. When someone says, you know she's a witch, right? Why is the first thing that you think not, no, she's not? Like, why would you I not? I think they didn't want to engage, maybe? I have no idea. Also, maybe I was a witch. They didn't know. Okay, yeah. Maybe they're just being open-minded. So, Some people are like Wicca and Yeah, uh, who knows? Who knows? I'll have to ask them what but they, they were thinking. But they know Rachel. Anyway. At the time, they didn't know me that well. We had just hung out a few times. Oh, okay. When she said that to them. So... When they said that to me, I was disturbed because I was thinking, what could I have possibly said to her that would make her think I was a witch? I've literally interacted with her maybe three times. There's no way mm -hmm. that I would have said I was a witch because I'm not. <laughs> Did this start to leak into other places in your life where you're like, I must have said something to her and I must have said that to other people at some point as well? Well, I was worried about it, but I figured out what it was, which is that like Theo was saying, our friend Andy's husband is Wiccan so they have a Halloween party that's like half just regular standard Halloween party and half like... Sawin. It's a Sawin thing. So you can bring something like Kurt does a big bonfire and you can throw something on the bonfire to symbolize like things you want to leave in the past or whatever. So this girl, I had spoken with her like the weekend before Halloween, and she said, oh yeah, you know, I moved here from somewhere else. I don't know anyone. I don't have any plans. Are you doing anything for Halloween? And what I said was, yes, I'm going to throw some things into a bonfire to burn the past away with my witch friends. No, I said, I don't have any plans, but my friend has a Halloween party. His partner is Wiccan, so if you want to just do the party thing, you can. But also, Kurt says, you know, you can bring something to throw on a bonfire if you want. And so, oh, I also remember she told them, like, why are you hanging out with her? Don't you know she's a witch? She does seances and stuff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and But I remember exactly what I said to her. And I never mentioned seances because <laughs> that didn't happen either. 
And I also didn't say anything about myself participating in Kurt's religious celebration. But that's what she said. And I finally realized what it was. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. I tried to be nice and invite her to a Halloween thing. And she tried to accuse me of witchcraft behind my back. (laughs) Wait, so did you throw something into the fire? I can't remember. Um... I couldn't think of something... Is it disrespectful to do it just for fun? No, Kurt said... Kurt invited people to do it. I didn't feel like I had something I needed to leave behind me at the time. I think it's disrespectful to sneak into someone else's bonfire and throw your past in there. You gotta be invited (laughs) first, like a vampire. (laughs) Probably, but I was invited... I don't think I threw anything in the fire. That was the year Andy and I, I believe, we went as the as the Kiki's Delivery Service characters. So I did go as a witch. Maybe I told her. No, I didn't tell her what I was going as because I don't think I had planned it. <laughs> okay, Rachel. <laughs> I'm really digging so, myself into so a hole. So you told her, I'm going to a witch Halloween party. I'm going to be a witch. Yeah. I'm dressed as <laughs> but, a witch. <laughs> the guy is actually a witch. And here's an actual spell we're going to do. But I'm not a witch. But don't get it confused. Yeah, here's. <laughs> a spell you could participate in that's the tale of someone trying to get me hanged for witchcraft but it turns out your friends were like we don't care we love her anyway yeah but if someone had said that to me i would have been like "Ooh," and then i would have immediately asked the person hey someone said you're a witch (laughs) what's up with that well i think my other favorite part of this is that your friends continued to be friends with you for a whole year and never brought that up like they were just like we accept it it's yeah we're never gonna talk about it i think they they said like we know she was just talking shit about you which, like, what kind of shit is that to talk about someone? <laughs> what kind of shit is that to talk? <laughs> Isn't that so funny, though? Yeah. It is really funny that you, you know, specifically said if you want to leave something behind in the past, you can throw, a, you know, an emblem of it into the fire. And yeah. she took that as being a seance, which is literally the opposite. Yeah, you're yeah. bringing your past into your present right. by pulling something out of the fire. No, I've never done a seance. I know there are candles involved and stuff, but seances aren't like a Wiccan thing. They're like a spiritualism thing well a bonfire is just a big candle so and every candle is just a little bonfire i don't know why i remember this because it was literally just one time and it was like just the weirdest thing and i have no idea why i did this and i was too old for it too so i was also i was a freshman in high school i don't think it was like a big thing i think it was just a passing thought that i had and then i did it and i didn't think anyone would notice but the person did notice so anyway Uh oh i think i was like in health class and we were working on some kind of project or studying or something and there was just this other girl that i was like kind of friends with and i thought it would be really cool if i made it look like i could read and write something unrelated at the same time Whoa! and you know you can focus on it for like a few seconds so i was just like reading something and then also writing something completely unrelated and i was like that's pretty cool and then she went wait jackie you can read and write at the same time and i went and i acted like i didn't know and i was like huh yeah i guess i guess i can (laughs) as if you had just discovered your superpower i mean i guess i am really smart i never noticed (laughs) you should have looked like totally shocked at your hand what like what was it doing i didn't give it permission who's doing this (laughs) (laughs) why does this keep happening and then what i wrote turned out to just be like red rum red rum red rum right yeah (laughs) <laughs> isn't that embarrassing i was way too old for that how did she notice how did she know you were lying she didn't know i was lying 
Oh, she didn't know you were lying. I mean, I wasn't lying. Wow. I just did it for like two seconds. I don't know. That's the that's why I remember it. I don't think I would even pay attention to someone doing that. Exactly. But I must have done it ostentatiously or something. And I was like, obviously, I don't know how she noticed, but because it was just a private little thought for me. But then it turned into a weird thing. Did you say behold right before you did it? Oh, you know, I did say behold. That probably was it. You know, I didn't think that would draw anyone's attention. (laughs) (laughs) That was also the class in which I made um, an excellent video project, which the teacher said was the best one he'd ever seen. And it was about Oh my God, even more embarrassing. Libertarianism. Oh gosh. Like pro? Yeah. Well, okay, even if you are an actual libertarian, hi dad, like this is just so funny. Like this is not what it is at all. But so my, he, the, the assignment was make a video or something like describing your ideal political system, like just whatever you think the law should be, say those. Yeah. And so I made this hilarious video, which like was not intentionally hilarious, but it was like, it was like me behind the wheel of my mom's minivan. And obviously I was not allowed to drive, but I was just like, you don't want to wear a seatbelt? Click. You don't have to. (laughs) And then I was like pretending to drive. And then I had like some raw hamburger meat and from the fridge and I like barely touched it. Yeah, I barely touched it to the pan. I was like, want to eat raw meat? You can. (laughs) (laughs) Do people stop you now? Like, in my head, libertarianism was like, literally anything you can do that can hurt you that you're not supposed to do, you should just do it. Satanism, basically. And I thought that was cool. (laughs) What? He said, unironically, he was like, that was the best project I've ever seen. And that was the best video that was ever made? Not the best video ever made. Not the best video. It rivals Citizen Kane. (laughs) has 100% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah. Didn't you see Citizen Kane doesn't have 100% anymore, but Paddington 2 does. Paddington 2 is the new best movie ever. Rotten Tomatoes is trash. Anyway. There are other ones that have 100%. No, they're good. Paddington 2 is better than Citizen Kane. Oh, that's a hot take. No, it's not. Okay, this is what I told Steven. Okay, so you're sad because you used to have a sled? I don't care. Oh, you're a cute bear having adventures? I do care. Color me intrigued. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I do care. Phew. So we made it to the end. Jackie, why don't you say our stuff? So you guys cried the whole time? You read that? No, not the whole time. Just I part think of the it. thing that really got me was all of it. Wow. Whoa. Well, I think, again, when you're reading it and we're not just making fun of it, it's like the sun rising and the drums are beating and you're just like you're running out of time and... You're just in this huge crisis. I don't know, Theo. It's emotional. Just read it. Wait, why are the drums there? Because they're getting ready for the Bum, hanging. But when you're marching to the gallows. Dun, why do they have to do it that way? I don't know what drums are, apparently. You remind me of the babe. What babe? (laughs) Was the sun coming in through the window a callback to the wizard of the day? Yeah. Oh, who's the freaking wizard of the day? Oh, right. I forgot. I have a feeling it might be Theo again. Why? Why? (laughs) Yeah, why would you have that feeling? I mean, I guess if, like, there's already a lot of buzz about, like, Theo's going to win it. It's not going to be a shock Mm -hmm. to anyone. Might as well. Like, if one of us gets it, it'll make it even, it'll make the other one feel worse than if Theo just wins every time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at least then Rachel and I will be on an even standing. Yeah, I I don't want you guys to fight, so I think... Yeah, it probably just makes sense. Can we have a runner-up? Oh, yeah, I got that too. Only one of us has actually been accused, credibly accused of witchcraft. 
credibly? Why did you say credibly? <laughs> incredibly, I was accused of witchcraft. <laughs> I was incredibly accused. Man, I, I'm not as happy about getting it this time as I have been the previous times. I have to kind say, of diminishing returns. Have you already gotten it? You've gotten it already officially. He's gotten it both episodes. No, three episodes. Yeah. But I'm saying this time you already got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do you know he got it three episodes? We haven't had the third one out yet. He admitted it. We said it in the record while we recorded the episode. I got it. Wait a second. Are we firing this bad boy? No. Or do we want to wait till we get our special guest to decide? We shouldn't. What we should say is, are we going to condemn Rachel as a witch or not? I vote yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, for the lols. <laughs> if you condemn me as a witch, I won't be able to be on the podcast anymore. Yo, whoa. You only witch once. <laughs> so we're going to hold it back. We have a special guest coming up. We have a TikToker. Ah, I don't even use TikTok. I'm worried I'm going to get addicted, so I refuse to download the app. We had tried to have a Tick Whisperer on, but it turned out that having the power to speak to Ticks wasn't that impressive. So we got a TikToker. Nice. God damn, that was a dad joke. Go ahead and call me father, because I am dad. If you are just joining <laughs> us and you're not yet. <laughs> what? <laughs> You heard me. Do I need to repeat myself? I heard it. This is just some synonym-based humor. (laughs) Did I stutter? I did hear. That's not the concern. Yes, but did you listen? Yes, I did not comprehend. (laughs) Might as well call me father because I'm already a dad. Might as well call me father because I have a child. I'm going to be very smug and act like I put one over on you because... Like you made a great point. (laughs) All right. Can I just say our things already? Go ahead. I'm not going to interrupt you. Please find us on Facebook. We're lost. I don't know where we are. Come find us. It's Fire the Cannon Podcast on Facebook. We are a discussion group and also an official page for announcements. And a new thing that just started today, um, today being May 13th, the day of the recording, um, which you're not going to hear for some time, is that Rachel started a discussion post about the episode that came out today. So that was about the most dangerous game. Every week we're going to be starting a new discussion post so that we can organize all of the comments on each episode because Facebook has a way of making things confusing. Yeah, you don't always get to see the comment that you're looking for. So this way... Everyone who wants to talk about the most recent episode, they'll be able to find other people who want to talk about it. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so you can also find us on Twitter at Fire the Cannon Pod. On Twitter, I like to um, do little things where I'll post like funny errors from our transcription service and um, just some other, you know, hilarious bullshit that I love. Um, Instagram, we got some cool pics there. Fire the Cannon Pod. You can find us on our website as well, which is www.firethecannonpod.com. As always, Cannon is spelled C A N O N. All of our episodes are there as well. So if you're catching up on a backlog, you can go there and just listen straight through. Through. Mm-hmm. You can give us a little bit of money if you'd like. Giving us a couple dollars every month really helps us and it goes a long way towards improving and maintaining our quality. And we might become spiteful and just kind of really take a deep dive on our audio if we're not feeling it. So that's patreon.com slash fire the cannon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Can I just say I've been loving that Facebook discussion group. And I think all you listeners will as well. That wasn't weird. <laughs> what? It wasn't. It was perfect. Yeah, it wasn't weird. It was welcoming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can hear all about the jokes I used to tell at Thanksgiving. It's Theo loves the discussion group because it's mostly people complimenting Theo. 
It's like, who wrote that music? That was great. Hey, Theo told a great joke one time. Yeah, look at these memes Theo made. Yeah, people loved all the stuff I did. I think you guys are going to love it too, all you listeners. So you should check out the the discussion group. Yeah, no, it is pretty fun. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody, thanks for coming. And uh, beep, beep, don't get caught in traffic. (laughs) Wink, devil loves that. Beep, beep. That's the sound the devil makes. All right. Should we say bye now? All right. Here we go. Are we saying bye now or thanks now? Probably bye. Because it is my nail. Because I cannot have another in my life. (laughs) That's pretty good. Let's just stick with that. Bye now. (laughs) Take it by pride. Leave me my nail. (laughs) That was good. Jackie nailed it. Jackie nailed it. She nailed it. She nailed it. Now you lair. Okay. Yeah. You didn't say bye now, though. I said it twice. You never said it. I said it to her all the time. (laughs) Okay. In fact, that's all I ever say to her. Phone rings. Bye now. (laughs) Bye now. Quick. (laughs) Quick.